There we go. Good morning, everybody. Now, I need more information than that. Um, get your worship guides out. You guys can follow along with me. I'm going to make a couple of quick announcements. Uh, first of all, uh, for those of you who don't know, by the way, my name is Pastor Derek. Everybody say good morning, PD. Good morning. All right. So that's why everybody calls me PD, Pastor Disaster. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but uh, this Wednesday, we have kind of a relaunch of uh, our middle school. We call it a middle school madness. It's this Wednesday night. So if you have a middle schooler, you want to be here at Connect Community Church for that. It's going to be incredible. We really believe in the next generation. Can I have an amen out there? Amen. Just pouring into them, investing in them, making things uh, exciting for them. Also, this Friday night, we're launching um, our next generation, our kind of our millennials ministry, the 508. Come on, give it up. So um, this is a fairly new ministry, so they're pretty excited. They're usually over in this area, <laughs> a little rowdy. Um, in fact, uh, Kevin, who was just our MC this morning, he is a byproduct of the 508. He got really, you know, saved and, and, and on fire for Jesus in the 508. So can you see what can happen in just one year in a person's life where they could come up and testify and share? Come on, give it up for Kev right there, preacher boy. What up, preacher boy? Preacher boy. Yeah, I love the next generation. In fact, I, I heard news that we have a, uh, we got the uh, Worcester girls hockey team right here, kind of on the third row. Can we give it up for all the girls here? And we, we want to welcome you guys. Thank you for being here. So that's pretty cool. We believe in all the young people, so uh, you guys all got to get together. You know what I'm saying? Uh, praise the Lord. You guys happy to be in church today? Finally, we have church. How many went on, 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 uh, to our website and watched church online last week? How many watched the message last week? Raise your hand. Good. A lot of you did. If you did not, I beg you, I beg you to go and listen to that message. It's the continuation of our series that we've been in called Under the Influence. We are going to finish the series today in Jesus' name. So uh, are we sad? Yeah. It's kind of sad, right? This has been, this has been intense it's been kind of intense. Uh, this is a pastoral care series, which basically means this. I'm going to, um, it's going to get hot in here. I'm going to bring it strong, kind of raw and real, and i um, going to finish just the way we started. So I just want to prepare you guys. I feel like I'm in a funeral uh, with these flowers. I don't know how they got here, but uh, I don't know if this is a message. <laughs> but anyway, I speak life. <laughs> over this service in Jesus' name. Um, but uh, we <laughs> just hit me all of a sudden. I speak things that come into my head sometimes too quickly. But uh, we're going to continue the series today. Today we're going to call it Turning the Light on Lust. Turning the Light on Lust. Dun, dun, dun. Here's what the Bible says. Um, and just, you know, just know that I just want to help people, okay? And so I'm going to just tell you what I see in the Bible, and you don't, have to, you don't have to believe it. You don't have to subscribe to it. I don't want anybody to feel condemned. I don't want anybody to feel beaten down. Um, but, but if it's conviction, the Bible says that's good. Worldly sorrow, the Bible says in Corinthians, leads to regret, but godly sorrow leads to repentance. And so if there's some things about this that bring about positive change, then praise the Lord, I did my job. And that's what I'm here to do. This isn't a popularity contest. Can I have an amen out there? So 1 John 2.16, I believe it's in your notes. We've been talking about these different open doors. And so today we're going to talk about kind of a big open door. The Bible says, for everything in the world... 
The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. Today, I'm going to talk about the lust of the flesh, specifically just uh, kind of the, just lust as a category. This is a sober message, so buckle up. Everybody just grab your seatbelt and pull that baby right on over, okay? Nobody did that. Just go ahead. Come on. Go through the motions. It tells me you're following, you're tracking, okay? All right. I believe that many are limited by the subject that we're going to talk about today, the spirit of lust. And I want to share with you a principle that has motivated me, helped me, changed me, changing me in this area over many years. And here it is. Purity and power are partners. Purity and power are partners. And I kind of threw this out. And sometimes I lay some of the stuff that's coming up in previous messages and then bring it up, bring it up later on and kind of camp on it. But but here's the big idea. You're going to hit situations in your life. You're going to come into seasons of your life. You're going to face circumstances in your life where you need more than a phone call to your mom. You need more than what you can research or find on Google. Google's like God for some people. You know what I mean? It's like I turn to Google before God. What does Google say? How about what does Jesus say? Come on, let's do that, right? So sometimes you're going to need a message from, a, from somebody that's a little bit higher up than Google. Somebody that's a little higher up than mom. Sometimes you're going to need maybe even a miracle in your life. And, and, and sometimes we don't have the confidence to go to God believing that he hears what we've asked of him. But the Bible says if our heart doesn't condemn us, we have boldness before God. And so sometimes we don't have that power, uh, that confidence in God because there's things that have corrupted or short-circuited um, our connection to God. And sometimes the power that, that is short-circuited by this spirit, this spirit of lust. And lust turns the light off in our lives and leads us kind of down a dark staircase of disaster, uh, spiritually, emotionally, relationally. I'd even submit to you financially, which I may talk about even a little bit today. I think it robs us. And we've talked about a lot of major doors here, but one of the things that the world touts and teaches and promotes is that the best way, for example, to understand sex is from a position of experience. In other words, try it before you buy it. You don't want to stay with her or him the rest of your life until you've you know, had a test drive. Say, so is he talking like that in church? Yes. Because you, know, you understand that because you guys are facing that all the time because it's true. That's what people think. And, but God is basically, God is light. The Bible says God is light. In him is no variableness, neither shadow. Basically, no shadows, just pure light. And the, if I shut off all the lights in this room right now, and all I had was a flashlight, hopefully, you know, if I put a flashlight under my chin, that'd be scary. But if I had a flashlight above my head, and everybody could see me because the light was on me. You understand things always better from a position of light, not a position of darkness. If I shut that light off and we said, okay, now let's all try to find our way and figure out what's going on, it's much harder to understand something from darkness. The world says that you need to understand this not from a position of light, but from a position of darkness. God created, for example, sex. That's a good God. Can I have an amen out there? Amen. I mean, some of the men just went, oh, I like this guy. <laughs> I could listen to some more of this. He created it for, for procreation. He created it for pleasure. He, yes, he created it for unity, by the way. Actually, which is the highest expression of sex, which few people ever experience because of impurity. Because of impurity, we rarely experience unity. Amen. 
true unity. So sex is just a sandwich for people. Instead of it's, it's an experience that is spiritual and emotional and physical at the same time. And so God wants us to understand something that he created from his position. And he wants to shine his light on it and say, would you follow me in it? Not, it's, I'm, not, I'm not trying to restrict you. I'm trying to protect you. I'm trying to show you something, a better way to do things. This is not in your notes. You can write it for those of you who like more notes because, you know, note takers are history makers. Ephesians 5.13 says, Ephesians 5.13 says, but everything exposed by the light becomes visible. Ding! The lights are on. We understand things always better when we let God put his light on. God is light. And everything that is illuminated uh, becomes a light. It's, this, is a, this is another verse that's kind of like similar to Romans 8, 36, it says, or uh, 32, which says the truth that you know will set you free. In other words, if you let him shine the light on something and illuminate, illuminate, it's kind of like the difference between information and insight. Information just insights like lights on. Okay, let God shine his light on this whole subject. And he wants to do that. But what distorts the reality, what turns the lights off, the dimmer down is lust. Lust does that, a spirit of lust. And the world, again, teaches us that you've got to try it to understand it. And that's not necessarily true. You have to listen to God on it to understand it. Here's a, here, let's keep, ready to keep it real even more? Yes or no? Okay, so this big movie's out, Fifty Shades of Grey. Okay, I'm not going to do a poll on how many people saw that, because I bet a bunch of you have already seen the movie. I'm not here to judge. I'm, trust me, this is not about condemnation. This is just about, this is just about, let's just have a conversation, not condemnation, okay? It's a huge, huge thing going on right now, uh, based on a book, a trilogy. They're supposedly going to have two more, but, but uh, I've been doing a lot of research on this. In fact, I was going to talk, I was actually going to have three points. I'll probably do some point a series, Fifty Shades of Grey, just the whole a whole series on this, on, this, on this movie. And I was digging into this whole thing, and ironically, one of my friends, he's in the service right now, he didn't even know it, but like, I was literally like, studying this whole thing and just thinking about how, uh, you know, what I would want to talk about, and he sends me this article by this particular doctor, uh, psychiatrist, and really with a, with a um, desire to help young adolescents understand uh, sexual relationships from a healthy perspective. And... Um, I read this article, but, but basically, the, there's a strong agenda. And I just want you to see that sometimes behind entertainment is a demonic agenda. I mean, I, this whole series has been about trying to open your eyes, that just like you, could, you can't see the radio waves going through the air, and, but if you tune into them, you, you, there's some sounds and there's some things that are happening. There's some songs that are being played if you can tune in. The same thing is happening spiritually. There are things happening. Uh, there, we're actually, this is going to sound crazy to some people, but we're actually, you know, spiritual beings having a human experience. Yes. We're actually created to be eternal beings. We have to determine our eternal destination by our decision of our own free will to choose Christ or to reject him. That's our strongest spiritual muscle that we have is choice. But in this life, we're so caught up in the temporal, the temporary, the, the, the touchy-feely kind of world that sometimes we're not paying attention to what's happening on a spiritual level. But on a spiritual level, I'm just telling you, there's a lot of things that are opening doors into your life, as I've talked about this entire series, and one of those can sometimes be movies. David said, from, his, from, from, from learning from his mistake when he sinned against Bathsheba, I will let no vile thing come through my eye gate. 
And I'm just telling you that 10 years ago, 20 years ago, we would look at this movie, maybe even five years ago, we would look at this movie and we would say it's bold-faced pornography. The guy's name's Christian. Interesting. He has a girlfriend, a submissive, and they practice bondage. Ding, 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 ding. I mean, think about some of these things and just, I don't know. It's like, I feel like I should do hashtag Sila, you know, like ponder these things. But it's made to appeal to our lust, not to our love. And I hope over the course of this message, you see some of the contrast from God's word and what culture is saying right now. But I think the enemy is oftentimes trying to redefine love, redefine you know, values and things that we believe for many, many years, sexual intimacy in a blatant fashion. And many of us, including Christians, including the church of Jesus Christ, are just getting sucked right on into this vacuum. And we're not paying attention. I've heard just the other night, my daughter was sharing with me how her friend, her 16-year-old friend, was taken to the movie with her parents. And she sat right beside her father while a woman is being, you know, beaten while having sex with this woman. I mean, where are we at? I just want to say, I am not a prude. I am not, if you've been here any length of time, I'm not about having a good time. I'm not like anti-TV, anti-movies, anti-music. I'm a pretty cultured person at, you know, 40-something years old. But we got to wake up a little bit, church. Can I have an amen out there? And so there's these open doors, and we need to be alert. And remember, every time we open a door, sometimes it's giving the enemy an opportunity to potentially compromise our character. And you know many, many people who you said were good people, godly people. He was a godly man. He, was a god- he loved his wife. He was a godly woman. He loved, she loved her husband. And they end up doing things that are completely out of characteristic. How did that happen? We came under the influence of something, but that was preceded by opening doors. And sometimes we have what I talked about a couple weeks ago, that Syrophoenician spirit, where there's a little bit of pride, where we think, we, I can handle it. I can handle it. It's no big deal. It doesn't bother me. Oh, Really? Really? And then over here, you know, I can dabble in this and I can dabble in that. I can mix those two things up and it's no big deal. And we do that in this realm as well, particularly in the sexual realm. Ephesians 5.3 says this. It's a bonus scripture as well. It says, but among you, there must not be a hint of sexual immorality. A hint. A hint. My grandmother used to cook like that. I said, Graham, what are you putting in that? How much do you put in this? Your cookies are unbelievable. Oh, that's the song. Anyway, uh, and I'd say, what are you putting out? And she's just a hint of this and a smidge of that and a hint of this and a smidge of that. It was just a little small amount. And, and, and so I understood what a hint meant. So when I read this scripture, I'm like, oh, a hint. It's just a little bit. In other words, it's the opposite of what we sometimes think. Our default says, it's not a big deal. It won't hurt me. I'm an adult. I can handle this. I'm a young person. I can handle this. I know what I believe. I know what I stand for. It won't bother me. Really? So if you had a pure glass of water, would you put just a hint of poison in that and drink it? Sometimes we're just not paying attention. So here's another thing in your notes. Getting the power back on means correcting my vision and directing my passion out of darkness into light correcting my vision. I need to see as God sees so I can do as God says. And so one of the things that illuminates this whole subject of lust is to see from God's word. Proverbs 7, verse 1 and following has this incredible observation made by King Solomon. Solomon is actually, he's an eyewitness of what we're getting ready to read. And we're going to read about this kind of uh, 
harlot, adulterous woman. But I want you to understand as you're reading this, it's really more, it can be attributed more towards a spirit of lust than a particular woman or person when you read this. Is everybody tracking with me out there so far? Okay. So if you're listening online, but if you're watching right here, this is a good text to literally just go through this whole thing. Listen, guys and women, you should mark up your Bibles on this one. This is one of those where you got like tons of notes in it, okay? So I'm going to kind of exegete this scripture a little bit for you. Proverbs chapter 7, verse 1, uh, Solomon speaking, he says, My son, keep my words, treasure my commands within you, keep my commands and live. Interesting, that, that, that choice of words. And my law is the apple of your eye. Bind them on your fingers. Write them on the tablet of your heart. In other words, the Bible is saying memorize these things. Write them on the tablet. You, you, want, you want these things internalized. Can I challenge you, church? Are you internalizing God's word? If you're going to undo the scripts of, of spirits that are ungodly, you have to write new scripts of God's spirit on your heart and on your mind. Okay? Say to wisdom, you are my sister, and call understanding your nearest kin, that they may keep you from the immoral woman. Again, I think this is speaking more of a spirit of lust than an actual woman. From the seductress who flatters with her words, the crafty harlot. Now we'll see what he witnessed, what, what, what Solomon witnessed. For at the window of my house, this is Solomon talking, I looked through my lattice and saw among the simple, I perceived among the youths a young man devoid of understanding. Now he's not putting young people down. He's not saying young people don't know anything. He's not saying young people aren't smart or intelligent or anything like that. It's just that in this story, the guy is already entrapped by his sin. He's already made a predetermined decision to walk in the direction or the wrong path. And you see, we're often found going to the wrong place, you know, at the wrong time. And what happens as a result of this entrapment, listen to this now, especially young people, listen to this. You become devoid of understanding. You're devoid of understanding. In other words, you lose your wisdom. You lose your, your ability to discern right from wrong. Uh, trying to make it practical. You know, you kind of get dumbed down. You're not, you do stupid things. Take it all the way out. Maybe, maybe it's just like the blood has left your head. Anybody see where I'm going with this? Okay, all right, just elbow your neighbor and say, pay attention, you should have got that one. All right, <laughs> passing along the street near her corner, he took the path to her house. So he did this, he's taking a path. We're gonna talk about the principle of the path in a little bit. In the twilight, in the evening, in the black and dark of night, spirits of lust lead us to be in the wrong places at the wrong time and it's always shrouded in darkness, not in light. Isn't it uncanny that some of the things that we say we're okay with or we're, we're, we, we feel like are permissible now, we would never do in light. We would never uh, want it to be on the front page of the newspaper, plaster all over Facebook, or let our spouse know, our friends know, coworkers know. That should be an indicator of something if it can't be out in the open. And there a woman met him with an attire of a harlot and a crafty heart. Attire of a harlot. I'm gonna be... I'm gonna be um, out of, this will be, this is not, I wish I wasn't the one doing this part right now, okay? But let me just say this to the ladies, okay? All the ladies. All the single ladies. All right. Everybody listening? This is not just single ladies, it's married ladies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Like, we just, us guys need your help. The, the attire of a harlot, okay? So a lot of times, ladies, you are not assisting 
us at all in being able to overcome the propensity to fight off the spirit of lust by the way you dress. In other words, you shouldn't do things that accentuate your body unnecessarily, please. In other words, don't dress to attract, dress attractive. Can you handle that? Okay, so, so it's just, it's an issue. And, and it's, it's prevalent in the world. And I'm so blessed by my wife, and I don't mean to embarrass her or anything like that, but I mean, she, she, she dresses modest but attractive, you know? And, and so I think we need, to, we need to be careful when we're raising up our kids. I mean, this is a conversation we have a lot with my daughters. You know, I have three daughters. God help me. Oh, my gosh. They're selfie, selfie, selfie. Selfie, selfie, selfie. Sweet Jesus, mother, Pearl, help me. So it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. But I'm just saying, like, we got to pay attention to these things, okay? We're not realizing that we, if the Bible talks a lot about being a stumbling block. Do you want to be a stumbling block to somebody, ladies? I mean, do you want to, it's like, you know, there's lots of examples like this in the Bible, okay? So she had this attire. Anyway, she was loud and rebellious. Again, more a spirit than a woman. Her feet would not stay at home. At times, she was outside. At times, in the open square, lurking at every corner. That's what the spirit of lust is like. It's lurking. Is That word lure comes from that, okay? Uh, so she caught him and kissed him. Now, this is an incredible verse in this particular chapter. She caught him. She grabs him. She kisses him. This, this spirit of lust is, will always uncover or show his hand. At some point... The spirit of lust is going to do something egregious, something blatant, something over the top. And in those moments, you will or should initially be shocked by it. In other words, somebody's going to say something at the office to you and you're going to be like, oh, wow, that was a little bit forward. Oh, you're going to see something, a picture could be sent to you. Whoa, wait a second. Or somebody's going to say something to you in a conversation or somebody's going to approach you or something shocking is going to happen. And when you're shocked by that, run, Forest, run. That is God intervening on your behalf. And at the point in time that you are no longer shocked, you are in big trouble. You have been hooked by the lure and you are being reeled in. Are you tracking with me? You might already be in bondage at that point. With an impudent face, she said to him, I have peace offerings with me. Today I have paid my vows. Here she's saying, in other words, I went to church already. I went to a church or I paid my tithes. Um, and, and here's what's so sad about take, take uh, adultery, take divorce. It's higher. It's high in the church, divorce, as it is in, in, in the non-church world, in the non-Christian world. Adultery is pursuing that same statistic. It's not there yet, but it's pursuing that. There's as much sin in the pew and in the pulpit in the church as there is, you know, more, more and more as there is in the world today. The pew and the pulpit in this particular area that I'm talking about. Sad. It's very, very sad. And this woman is saying, I paid my vows. And, and so the spirit is so strong. It's basically saying, I know that this is wrong, but we can repent after. We can repent after. This is, this is, this is what this spirit does. It talks to you. It lies to you. It tells you certain things. It's basically, it's, it's, it's corrupting your perceptions. It's making you devoid of understanding. I know one guy that I ministered to one time, he was in an adulterous relationship, and he basically, he basically said to me, he says, I love her, but pastor, you don't understand. 
We pray together every day. And I want to tell you something that may seem crazy to you, but he was as serious as serious can be. And I put my finger right in his face. I said, that is the height of deception. That is the height of deception. That you think you could go into the holy of holies and you could pray to a holy God in the act of adultery, in the midst of adultery. It's the height of deception. Self-deception is the worst deception of all. We, it's, if I can't, if the Bible says in 1 Peter that my prayers are hindered, if I'm not right with my wife, what would it be like if I'm in adultery? Just think about that. So I told you to buckle up a while ago. So hang on. So I came to meet you. I came to meet you. The Spirit pursues us, by the way, diligently to seek your face, and I found you. I've spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. Listen, these spirits prepare for you. They prepare for you. These spirits decide the best time to have this movie go out would be in the most romantic season in our culture today. Right around February 14th, I think I'll launch this thing. Make it look romantic. Make it look like it's going to make relationships better. It's going to make you more in love than ever before. It's a destroyer. It's a destroyer. It's preparing to destroy. You don't have to believe me. That's okay, but some of you, I think, will. So I came to meet you, diligently seek your face, and I found you. I've done all these things. I perfume my bed with myrrh and aloes and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love until morning. Let us delight ourselves with love. Listen, lust always, lust always masquerades at love. The, world's, the world says and calls it making love. Making love, listen to me, is not a one-night stand. Making love is being married to the same woman for 24 years who bore you four beautiful children and keeping that commitment to the day I die. That's love. That's love. Can I have an amen? For my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He has taken a bag of money with him. And he'll come home on the appointed day. You know what this is saying? It's saying, I got it all figured out. I got it all. We won't get caught. He's gone. By the way, I'm, I'm, basically this spirit tells you, you're going to be the first person in history never to get caught. <laughs> it's you. You're the winner. <laughs> and there's no consequences. No consequences. With her enticing speech, this lust spirit, she caused him to yield. She just broke him down. With her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately, he went after her as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of the stocks till an arrow struck his liver. This is, by the way, is referring to death. As the bird hastens to the snare, he did not know it would cost his life. Now, historical background. You may not realize this, but at the time, the law... The law at this time for adultery was death. Death. Many theologians, you can look it up for yourself, but it's not my emphasis, but I just want to make a point. Many theologians believe that Solomon summoned this couple and had them killed. Because he's the one watching this. He witnessed this whole thing. The king observed this whole thing. Whether that's the case or not is not my emphasis. It does bring a, a, a type of death. A spiritual death in particular. A spiritual death. It will cost us spiritually if we're not careful. And, and, and many people think, and this spirit tells us, no consequences, you'll be fine. And he'll never find out. She'll never find out. In fact, it's not the satisfaction that comes from some of these behaviors. It's the enemy is, is it's, it's that which is illicit is, is giving us this thrill. And that's why, and the enemy uses that. I, I wish I could talk so much more about this. But, but basically, prior to me being married, 
and, and having relations and sex outside of covenant. I'm just going to be transparent with you, and I did, and I'm ashamed to say that. But it, was, it wasn't the satisfaction of the experience. It was the thrill of the experience. And it, I was never, it was never satisfying. And so it was that which was illicit that was telling me, this is good, it's great, it's great, it's great. And then when I got married, the enemy took, it became legal. And now I had, if I didn't purify myself and sanctify myself, suddenly sex didn't have excitement or zeal or pa- there was passion was gone. Because it was distorted before, it was distorted after. And many of you know exactly what I'm talking about in your relationship. And so God wants to bring things back to zero, correct and heal and restore and get those things rightly rooted so you can see sex through God's eyes, through light and not darkness, so you can heal your marriage as you go forward or heal your relationships as you go forward. There's a lot in there. I don't know if that all came through right, but hopefully it will make sense. But basically this, um, you got to know that even though sometimes it looks like you're getting away with it, this text is telling us, the king is watching. You might, maybe nobody ever finds out, but you need to know what? The king is watching. Okay. Let me tell you something too. He's not watching with eyes of judgment. Ha ha! With the Zeus lightning bolt and he can't wait to destroy you. He's trying to save you. He's trying to save you. He's doing everything he can. I can promise you he's made many efforts to try to save us before we fall. Now, therefore, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Don't stray into her paths, for she has cast down many, many wounded, and all, everybody say all, all all who were slain by her were strong men. And I've seen over and over and over again, whether this be strong men or strong women, this spirit take people out in the pulpit and in the pew, in great, wonderful people be taken out because of the spirit of lust. And I can tell you something that I still believe people can be forgiven and restored. And I'm not just talking about adultery. I'm just talking about fornication. I'm talking about all kinds of sexual deviance and egregious behaviors in that area. I believe you can be restored and the blood of Jesus covers us from our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness, but if we continue and continue and continue and continue in this certain pattern of sin, we need to check ourselves, maybe even check our salvation according to God's word because it says some strong things about these kind of behaviors. I didn't say it, the Bible says it all over the place. Read Ephesians chapter 5 if you need to check me out on that. Because it brings death, spiritual death to people. Now, let me give you a few words, if you can handle it, on the spirit of, that describe a spirit of lust. Okay, here's the first one. Desire. Desire. Everybody with me? The word lust actually means desire. Many times in the Hebrew or the Greek, this is interchangeable. In other words, desire or lust could be good or bad. It's not always bad. We always think of lust as a bad word. But the Greek word epithumia basically is a neutral word that can go either way. God, in other words, gave us a pure desire or a pure lust, and, we can, and then the enemy offers us an impure lust or an impure desire. Look at Luke chapter 22 in your notes, your worship guide. Jesus is speaking here. Look at how this word desire shows up. It says, then he said to them, Jesus speaking, with fervent desire. Everybody say desire. Desire. It could say lust there. It's the same word, okay? So with fervent desire, uh, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. In other words, I have a Godly passion to be with you. This is not sexual. This is just passion, intimate passion to be with you. God gave us this healthy passion. I think most of us have either misdirected passion or lost our passion, numbed passion. 
But God wants us to have a healthy passion and have it directed. And it can be, it can be in the context of a healthy marriage, you can have a healthy passion directed the, the right way. But it can also be going the wrong way. And the world and the enemy offers a ton in that particular area. And the Bible, again, calls uh, uh, the worldly lust, deceitful lust, evil desire. A lot of times that's the word that's used there, and it can be a negative term. But the Bible is trying to tell us that he also gave us a pure desire. And the Satan's always trying to distort reality, always. Galatians 5.16, look at this particular verse, strong one. I memorized this a long time ago as a young adult fighting this particular spirit. It says, walk in the spirit. Everybody say, walk in the spirit. In other words, listen to me. You need the Holy Spirit. Jesus left so the Holy Spirit will come, and he's here to help us, all of us. Jesus can only be with a few of us, but the Holy Spirit can be with and in all of us. Okay, so you need the Holy Spirit. You need to learn how to walk in the Holy Spirit, all right? And you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh if you walk in the Holy Spirit. You walk in the Spirit. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit and the Spirit against the flesh. In other words, good desires are, are, are up against bad desires. There's some lusts or passions or desires that are good and there's some that are bad and they're at war with each other. And these are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. So if you're, if you're following the lust of the flesh, you're going in bondage. If you follow the lust of the spirit, the desires of the spirit, you fulfill the spirit. And so there needs to be a balance between, yes, getting delivered and getting free, but also being discipled and having your, your mind renewed, which we'll talk about, about in a little bit. But this whole walking in the spirit is a relationship. That term walking is not just talking and listening. It's, it's a relational exchange between you and God. What I mean by that is, I don't get up every day and say, um, I, 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 to stay true to my wife, I better not commit adultery. Don't look at that woman. Don't look at that woman. Don't look at that woman. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I don't spend all my time on this level trying to make sure I don't mess up. I spend, or should spend, by walking in the spirit, it means focusing on being in love with Jesus and in love with my wife, and then I will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. It's about staying in love, part of discipleship, isn't just memorizing your Bible, which is really good, and marking it up with yellow and pen and markers and all that kind of stuff and looking like you're spending a lot of time in it. It's not just that. That's good stuff. But it's about a relationship with the Holy Spirit. You're in constant contact and communion and chewing and stewing and renewing your mind with his words, his thoughts, worshiping him, expressing love for him, uh, listening to him so he can express his love for you. In the process of that relationship, you will not be thinking about and preoccupied with the lusts of the flesh. And you have to, oh, my father used to say this about killing weeds in the, in the yard. You can spend all your time pulling up weeds and dandelions. I hate dandelions. They're of the devil plucking them and they keep coming back, or you can overseed to kill the weed. You just plant more grass, plant more grass, keep planting life-giving grass, 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 and it just kills the weeds. Amen. Does that make sense? This is what relationship is all about, amen? So as a result, we can be subject to the spirit, not just to the flesh. So when we're doing that and that walking in the spirit, now I'm just, I'm, I'm following the spirit. I'm not following the flesh, Oh, this is so much better than you realize, I hope. <laughs> Romans 6.19 says, I speak in human terms because of the weakness of your flesh. For just as you presented your members, your body, as slaves 
of uncleanness and lawlessness led to more lawlessness and goes on and on and on. So now present your members to God as slaves of righteousness and holiness. So we have to kind of point ourselves in the direction of God in order not to be a slave to unrighteousness, but a slave to righteousness. Romans 8, 5 says, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds, everybody say my mind. These are talking about habits of thought, habitudes, habits of thought on the things of the flesh. So when you live according to the flesh, you will always be thinking about fleshly things. You'll always be feeding on, feasting on fleshly things. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So some of this is about your consumption. I love to eat, okay? I, nobody has to remind me to eat. Have you eaten today? Yes, of course I've eaten today. Several times before you asked me. There's not an issue. But if I said that about you spiritually, what would your answer be? And then we wonder why we're in trouble and our minds are all preoccupied with all kinds of things. We have to be feeding on, feasting on the word of God, the things of God, Can I, especially in the world that we're living today that is pummeling us and inundating us with opportunities and temptations. Romans 13, 14, a, a great verse to memorize. I strongly recommend this. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. Basically, it's saying sometimes this spirit and Sometimes our poor habits plan to sin. In other words, we don't even pay attention. Uh, we just, hey, you guys want to go to the movie? Yeah, let's go to the movie. What are we going to go see? We're going to go see this. What is it? I don't know. And you get there and you're like, oh my gosh, what have I done? I've been there. I've been there. My wife and I were witnessing to a couple one time, just sharing Christ with them. Hey, let's get together. We want to show them. We're just we're normal people. We, we love food. We love going to movies. We go to dinner and then we go to a movie. We get to this movie and we're in this movie and I'm like, Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, my heart's going, you know what I mean? I don't want to be that guy who gets up in the middle, and I, have, you know, I wouldn't have been there in the first place if I just hadn't made provision for the flesh and been paying attention. And some of us are not paying attention, and we're walking right into these situations, and we're into these points, uh, challenges of compromises. Anybody? I walked out, just in case you're wondering. Okay, so it was awkward, awkward. Um, Anyway, number two, deception, deception. So the first word that describes lust is desire. The second one is deception. I want to show you a passage of scripture. It has a verse in it that's kind of, you wonder why it's there in the middle, and I'll make sense out of it in just a second. But look at this. Proverbs 5, 6, and 7 are great verses on this whole subject. But Proverbs chapter 6. Are you still tracking out there? Okay, for the commandment is a lamp and the law a light, reproofs of instruction are the way of life, to keep you from the evil woman. Again, I think this is referring to a spirit of lust, not just all women are bad, okay? All the women said thank you. Okay, so to keep you from the evil woman, from the flattering tongue of a seductress, do not lust, or that word could also be desire, after her beauty in your heart, nor let her allure you with her eyelids. Wink, wink, wink. Verse 26, watch how strong this is. For by means of a harlot, a man is reduced to a crust of bread. An adulteress will prey upon his precious life. This verse, I'm not saying it. This verse saying is your life is in the balance. Your life. Strong. Can a man take fire into his bosom and his clothes not be burned? You should read 1 Corinthians 6 if you're crazy note takers. There's tons of stuff about this, but you don't want to join yourself with a harlot. Can God's, the temple of the Holy Spirit, you know, be, and you have a harlot in the same place, the same house is bad for you, not good. It's, and, and, and can you do this? Take this fire into your bosom and your clothes not be burned. You think this won't affect you? Really? 
That's what this is saying. Can one walk on hot coals and his feet not be seared? So is he who goes into this neighbor's wife who touches her shall not be innocent. And this is the weird verse. It says, people do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself when he is starving. Yet when he is found, he must restore sevenfold. Now think about this in terms of the context, adultery or fornication. He may have to give up all the substance of his house. Whoever commits adultery with a woman lacks understanding. Same consistent theme. This whole portion of scripture is talking about morality and things like that. But then in the middle, it talks about a thief who steals and does it to satisfy. The question is why? Because what God is trying to teach us is this, is that lust is a deception that never satisfies. If it did, it would be understandable that somebody would do these things. A thief go in and steal to be satisfied, it would make sense. But lust never satisfies. It never does. If you do this for a lack of understanding, you know, that's what the Bible's talking about here. This text is saying don't do it. If it were truly satisfying or bring satisfaction, someone might excuse you for that. But that's not what happens. In other words, in a godly, pure, married relationship, you can be satisfied, but you can never be satisfied outside of that. Then he goes on to say, he who does so destroys his own soul. Wounds and dishonor he will get, and his reproach will not be wiped away. Lust is a deceiver. Lust is a liar. It never satisfied. It overpromises, always underdelivers. There's some other texts there that I won't read that talk about and, and just verify that you won't be satisfied. Proverbs 27, 20, Habakkuk 2, 5, Ezekiel 16, 28. It's just saying that lust is an empty promise. You're never satisfied. Here's the third word, death. Desire, deception, death. This is such an uplifting message, Pastor. Thank you for reminding me to bring tons of people here this morning. Again, this is a pastoral series. This is to help people save lives. Amen? So death. James 1, great verse to read and know. James 1, 14 says, But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desire. Or your Bible might even say, depending on the translation, lust and enticed. Then when desire or lust has conceived, listen to what the Bible says here, it gives birth to sin, and sin when it's full grown, in other words, if you let it remain, it will mature, it will fester, it will take root. If you let it mature, it brings forth death. So here's what lust does. Lust is, lust is we're tempted. Temptation is, by the way, not sin. Giving into temptation is sin. Does everybody get that? That's good theology for you to know. No temptation has seized you, by the Bible says, but such is common to man. But God is faithful who will make a way of escape for you to stand up under it. 1 Corinthians 10, 31. How did you know that? I said, I memorized it. Okay, so temptation is not bad, but giving into it is. But when we are tempted and, we give, and we're drawn away by that, by our own evil desires or lusts enticed, what causes us to be drawn away is not impulse, but compulsive behaviors. Impulsive behaviors, we're just not thinking about it. We just did something stupid. We walked into a hole. We walked into a situation accidentally. When we're, it's impulsive, we can walk away fast. When it's compulsive, we are being controlled or influenced by something, and we have a hard time saying no to it. Here's an example of what compulsive means. Compulsive means resulting from or relating to irresistible urge, especially one that is against one's conscious wishes or will. That's the, that's the definition. So, flesh on the bones. I go away on a business trip, 
I travel a lot more now than I used to. And, 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 and when you go, if I'm traveling by myself, it can be very tempting as a married man in a hotel by yourself or traveling by yourself. And so what do you do to protect yourself? Well, first of all, it'd be better you not travel alone. So I try not to do that, for example. But you get in one of those hotel rooms, you got the TV there, and all the movies are free. Does anybody know what I'm talking about out there? Don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about out there. Does anybody know what I'm talking about out there? Okay. Just give me a break. So I get there. You're, you're flipping through the channels. Now, an impulse would be you see something that's inappropriate, you just keep on. That's, ooh, yeah, keep on going. Compulsive behavior was you go by that channel, two channels later, and before you know it, you find yourself going right back, even though you know it's wrong. That's compulsive. That's under the influence of a spirit of lust that is telling you that it is beyond uh, just uh, your intellect, that is, that is your, your nature is under the control of, you're being ridden by, we've talked about this before, a demonic spirit. Does that make sense? And so we have to rid ourselves of that through deliverance and discipleship. If we don't, then the scripture is telling us it leads to very, very dangerous things, even death, spiritually speaking, sometimes relationally speaking or otherwise. Look at this verse. It says, Proverbs 7, 23, you know, it could cost his life. Proverbs 7, 27, descending to the chambers of death. Romans 8, 12, it says, therefore, brethren, we're debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. I didn't say that. Paul said that. But if by the Spirit, because we need the Holy Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you'll live. Lust brings death. That's what I want you to see. Love brings life. When, when God spoke to Adam and Eve in the garden, he said, don't do that. If you do that, you will surely die. Was God lying? No. Did they die right away? No. They died eventually, but I believe God was speaking more of a spiritual death. You will be separated from me because of this. And that should be our greatest concern. When, when I'm where I need to be with my wife, the thing that I would hate the most is to be apart from my wife. Are you guys tracking with me? When you're, the greatest fear should be separation from God, now and forever. And this spirit of lust will attempt to, to separate you eternally, if possible, from God. How many people who give into the spirit die spiritually? I would say many, many do. Maybe not ultimately, it doesn't happen overnight, but when this spirit is full grown and matures, it can. Because your passion and your hunger, which God put in there, are being misdirected because of distorted vision, and you're putting it into something else that is not satisfying. It's actually lying, 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 and taking, taking, taking from you. And at some point, you, you're, you're so discouraged and so dissatisfied, you, you don't realize how far away you've gotten from where really are we, we those that hunger. Hunger and thirst after righteousness, Matthew chapter 5 says, shall be filled. That's where we get filled. John chapter 4, Jesus spoke to the woman at the well after five husbands and basically told her, you don't, you don't need that kind of water. You need living water. I'm that. I'm he. I'm the guy that can give you that. It's only going to be found this way. And anybody that you see out there that is running and playing and just having a ball and they act like they are, they're dissatisfied. They're dissatisfied. Take it all the way out, and they're going to be in trouble at some point at the end of that. You see this happen all the time, how this spirit robs people. A guy gets saved, comes into the church. A young girl gets saved, comes to the church, gets on fire for God. They're doing great. They're doing awesome. There's a plan and purpose for life. Everybody can see it. Even they can see it. Oh, then they get a girlfriend. Then they get a boyfriend. 
Before you know it, they're sidetracked and they're sidelined. Why? Because a lot of times, the spirit of lust targets them, strong people with great potential. Sometimes the enemy can see your potential more than you can. Not because he's omniscient, but because he's intelligent. And he's been around a while. And so he'll try to pick you off. I don't know if anybody wants any more. So... This is what happens, and it happens not just in relationships, it happens in marriages, that's why they, I don't love her anymore. What happened? A spirit of lust got in there, that's what happened. Your passion got misdirected. Families have been sacrificed at the altar because of this. I believe businesses have died, promotions for men. Listen to this, I even believe financially, because you are devoid of understanding, because you've been so preoccupied with ungodly things, that it takes you away from creativity, from innovation, from vision that God has for your life, because you are so, your brain has been, and your mind has been, your members have been so distorted by the spirit, that you are missing opportunities that God has for you. Because of the spirit. The spirit is stealing from you relationally, maritally, physically, and even financially. It is. Let me be clear. If you're in bondage to the spirit, it's affected you in these areas. So what's the solution? Are you ready for the solution? Here's the conclusion. There are two words here. They both begin with the letter D. Because I'm gifted. I'm just kidding. That's supposed to be funny. I don't care what you say. That's, that's supposed to be funny. All right? Because i got to keep the Ds. The reason I do this is so you remember everything, okay? So desire, deception, death. The next two are deliverance and discipleship. How do we get rid of it? What's the solution? Deliverance and discipleship. This is the conclusion of the series. Uh, Jack Hayford had this quote, and he said, you can't cast out the flesh, and you cannot disciple a demon. The reason he said that is because there's always an overemphasis on one, depending on your environment and your upbringing, than the other. You go into these kooky, you know, charismatic, charismatic, you know, excessive Pentecostal environments and they just think, you know, you just got to get prayed for and you just got to get zapped and just got to get under the spout where the glory comes out and you got to get pow-papped and whacked and smatted and I don't know, whatever, and slain and smitten and all that kind of stuff and you'll be fine. You come back the next week, you need it again because there's the balance. Because there are demons and they do need to be cast out, but the balance is sometimes you also need discipleship. And discipleship, like I said, is not just reading your Bible and quoting scriptures and all that, but it's a relationship. It's walking in the Spirit. It's walking in love with God. Stay, making time and a commitment to put that relationship first. My relationship with my wife is not based on something I just said when we got married. I love you, and if I change my mind, I'll let you know. <laughs> I need to invest in that on a regular basis. Does that make sense? And love is sometimes spelled T-I-M-E. Not L-O-V-E. Amen. Amen. So these two are inextricably linked. We need discipleship to retrain the way we think. So Jesus, and again, Jesus spent a third of his ministry casting out the devil, and he told his disciples to do the same thing because we've already established believers can be in bondage and sometimes spirits can affect us, right? 2 Corinthians 10, look in your notes, verse 3 through 5. It says, for we walk, for though we walk in the flesh, we don't war against According to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Everybody say strongholds. strongholds. This is talking about deliverance here. Casting down arguments. This is talking about discipleship. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity. And by the way, that word captivity in the Greek, it means by spear point. How do you, when you have these thoughts that are in opposition to God's word, that word captivity means by spear point. No. You won't do that. You look at that thought and you say, is this of God? No, it's not. <laughs> you stab it. With the word, the word is a sword or a spear. That's how you fight it. 
That's how you kill it. That's how Jesus overcame temptation in Matthew 4 and Luke chapter 4. It is written. It is written. It is written. We need to know what it's written. Amen? Revelation 12 says we overcome who? The enemy by the blood deliverance of the lamb and the word discipleship uh, of God. And we love not our lives unto death. Amen? Amen? So, again, please go through this whole series. Now, let me tell you about this word strongholds real quick. I referenced this in the beginning as I conclude. I referenced this as a foothold can become a stronghold. But actually, the word stronghold is a neutral word. Some strongholds are good. Some strongholds are, are not bad for you. It's a neutral word, just like desire. The Lord can be a stronghold. It can be a refuge, a buckler. You can look at Psalm 27 and other verses that talk about this. But when we get tired... Listen, when we get tired, when we have difficulty, when we have a fight with our spouse, when we have a struggle, when we're in the wrong place at the wrong time, when we're tempted, this is what we do. We run to our stronghold. Whatever our stronghold is, that's what we run to. Often we're running to the wrong stronghold. A stronghold is a train of thought. A train of thought. It's a simple definition. A stronghold is just a train of thought. And our mind is like Grand Central Station. <laughs> Especially the ladies. That's funny. I don't care what you say. <laughs> All kinds of stuff. It's like the web. The internet. So there are trains of thoughts pulling us in. They're pulling in and they're pulling out. And here's the deal. Listen carefully. Our destiny, our destination is determined by what train we get on. Destiny, destination, where you end up is determined by the train of thought that you choose to get on and to ride. And see, the enemy puts trains of lustful thoughts on our mind, and they're headed towards death. Of what? Family, marriage, relationships, your spiritual life. Spirits of lust make you depressed. I could do a whole thing on that, but I won't. But... We often don't look for where the train is leading. We just get on and hope for the best when it comes to our thoughts. And we wouldn't do that on a real train. We would never get on a train and not know where it's going. Well, maybe we would. Some of us have. But we shouldn't. We shouldn't. Every path has a predetermined destination. If I get on that road, Route 9 out there, and I head eastbound, I'm never hitting Worcester. I'm hitting Boston. It has a predetermined destination. Your thoughts have a predetermined destination to them. That's why Philippians 4.8 says, Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, things are just, whatever things are pure, lovely, good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, think about, meditate on, chew on, stew on these things. We have to fill our mind with these things. 1 Peter 2.11 says, Beloved, I beg you. Paul's like a pastor here. He says, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain, abstain, from lustly or fleshly lust, which war against your soul. Lust, the spirit of lust wars against your soul. That word soul is talking about your mind, your will, and your emotions. That's what the spirit does. But Jesus came to break every chain that's in your life. Can I, can I have an amen? Would you stand on your feet? I want to pray with you. I'm going to ask the prayer team to come down here just to be available for the end of service as well. We're going to worship in just a second here. How many of you got something out of that this morning? Yeah, you sure? You sure? I hope that you will, you will like dig into the word on that, that you will chew and stew on that in your devotions, that you will abstain from 
the spirits of lust, that you will, you will fill your mind and begin to walk in the spirit as God has intended. This is what I want to do. Uh, we're going we're gonna to just worship together, and I'm going to encourage you that if you need prayer, in just a couple minutes, I'm going to do a general dismissal, but uh, probably you know, at the tail end of the song, and uh, you're free to go. If you need to go, I want to release you to go after I pray. Um, tonight, we, I believe we have our baby dedication and water baptism tonight. For those of you who are interested, it's at 5.30 tonight. We have a ton of people getting baptized. If you want to see something exciting, you want to see people that are making that next step in their journey of faith. It is so awesome to watch people come up out of the water in newness of life. It's just awesome to see that. Tonight, we have a baptism right here. We got a pool where we dunk people right here, if you didn't know that. So, and, and after the baptism's over, we all just kind of kick cannonball and stuff like that. It's awesome. I'm just kidding. We don't do that. But, uh, but we're having a baby dedication, committing many children to God and a godly lifestyle. So you want to be here tonight at 530. It's great when there's a public witness and something's done before a spiritual family. So making you aware of that as well. But let me pray for you. I want to encourage you to come down and receive prayer in this area. Don't be ashamed. You don't have to tell them any bunch of stuff. You don't have to tell them anything. Just say, pray for me. I want freedom. I want to be able to walk in purity. I want to walk in the spirit. I don't want to fulfill or satisfy or gratify the sinful desires of the flesh. Galatians 5. That's what you can have receive prayer for. That you walk in the spirit. That you do not satisfy or gratify the sinful desires of the flesh. There's not one person that wouldn't benefit from prayer, including me, in this particular area because we are hit hard all the time in this particular area. But purity and power are partners. Amen? Would you close your eyes? Let me pray for you. Father, in Jesus' name, as we break the chains of bondage, Lord, as we go forward in 2015, I believe that you have anointed this series, Lord God, that you have changed people's hearts from the inside out, that people's, people's uh, freedom, Lord, has become more real and present and alive in their lives. To the ones that are still, still fighting, Lord, I pray that you encourage them, that you strengthen them, that sometimes things are a process and a journey, but the truth that we know sets us free, God. The Jesus that we know can set us free, God, and that, and that he can and will deliver us, but that, that he came for this purpose, Jesus said, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. And I just pray that, Lord, the works of the evil one be destroyed in this church. For every person that comes through the four walls or inside the four walls of this building and through the front door, Lord, that more of the enemy's camp, uh, has we've, we've taken back what he has stolen from us. More of the doors that have been wide open are being closed, Lord, where we are minimizing and, and, and shutting down all the like open windows on a computer and we are becoming stronger and stronger, Lord. We are becoming more and more powerful as Christians, able to not only see freedom in our own lives, but help other people find freedom. Come on, church, get, agree with me in Jesus' name. I thank you, God, that you're, you've made us more than conquerors to those who are in Christ Jesus, that your word changes people's lives from the inside out. We love you, God, as we worship to the song, and I encourage you guys to give it all. As you worship to the song, I pray, Lord, that chains fall down in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. If you need prayer, you come on down. Otherwise, don't watch.